0: We are continuing our series today, The Church, Which is His Body. And uh, I think this is, if my memory serves me correct, this is session number three in that series. Last week, we dealt with uh, When Each Member Does Its Part. I think that was the title, but anyway, it dealt with Ephesians 4. Uh, The relationships and how the body is fed uh, through relationships. Today, we're entitling today's message, The Body of Christ Sharing Life. The Body of Christ Sharing Life. And uh, this has to do with fellowship. And so we'll see today that there is a dynamic result. Everybody say dynamic. See, that's the key. There's a dynamic result that occurs when we enjoy fellowship one with another as members of his body. Fellowship one with another as members of his body. In so doing, we will see that fellowship was a key component of life by the early church and in the early church. This was a key component of of the life of of God's people, fellowship. Um, And then, we'll also see that it requires intentionality on our part to engage in fellowship with other followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, it, well, I'll get to that later. I'm trying to get ahead of myself. I thought of a lot of verses and passages that we can turn to, but I think I, I, uh, I arrived at Acts chapter 2, if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 2, um, and we will look at just a few verses here. Um, to set up to set up what we're going to read. This is right after the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the day of Pentecost, and uh, Peter gets up and preaches. And uh, after Peter is done preaching the gospel, the Bible says three thousand souls were added that day. I'm sure that must have been a daunting thing, uh, because you're you're a few ragtag people in an upper room. And now you have over 3,000 people to, to care for and to be responsible for. But God's Holy Spirit was up to the task. Well, immediately following the verse, which is verse 41, that says there were 3,000 souls at it, if you'd stand with me, we're going to begin reading at verse 42. And I'm reading once again from the English Standard Version. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And, by, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You can be seated. Life in the first century church. Uh, it's interesting. Laura's Bowling. That was a strike. Oh, no, the Lord always is. Anyway. It's interesting that in the life of the early church, everything centered around food. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Day by day taking their meals. And, and I thought it was funny this morning, picking on Grant again, teenage boy. He, he walked in the door this morning, and the first thing out of his mouth was, you never going to believe the supper I had last night. <laughs> I said, yeah, I remember those days, all you thought about. Anyway, uh, it's interesting that the English Standard Version and a couple of other versions use the term the fellowship. I know I've got fellowship up there, but the the ESV, the Young's Literal Translation, and there's one other one I forget, that use the word the fellowship. They continued in the Apostles' Doctrine and the fellowship. Like there is a particular fellowship that we enter into, and the truth is, there is. Uh, fellowship is, in, in, is uh, the Greek word is one we're all, almost all familiar with, koinonia. There are a lot of coffee houses and ministries titled koinonia fellowship or koinonia whatever. Uh, and uh, it's just simply a word that means sharing or, ha- or sharing in common. Uh, it means to have social interaction and communion with someone. Um, when I was a kid, I thought fellowship was to go back in this back room in the, in the building and drink punch and eat cookies. I thought that's what fellowship amounted to. And that's why we called it the fellowship hall. Well, obviously that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And that is part of what we're talking about, but it's much more than just doing something like that. Uh, and I, I put this on the slide because I want us to see it. This word koinonia points specifically to the supernatural life of God, given to and shared with humankind through Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. Supernatural. Everybody say supernatural. Supernatural. It's the supernatural life of God. It's not just hanging out. (laughs) It's not just having friends, although it's both of those. It's not just enjoying one another's company, but it is that. But it's sharing supernatural life, that's given to us through the Holy Spirit that we can share with one another. Supernatural life of God. And we know, we've got to remember that because as I said last week, if we just are people who hang out together and we're people who enjoy one another's company and we, want, we just want friendship, then we just have a club. And we need more than a club. We need the body, a body of Christ. The danger in a message about fellowship and about relationship and a message about community, the danger is that we do just that, that we overemphasize the horizontal relationship between one another. Now we must, we must emphasize that, but the danger is that we just, I had a guy in one of the first church. I, well, the second church I pastored and, uh, he, he said, Hey, can I meet? We I said, sure. And, uh, He was all upset because uh, they weren't getting enough fellowship, he and his wife. And uh, nobody ever invites us over to their house. And I said, and I'll say his name because you don't know him. His name was Adrian, and he wasn't Rocky's wife. He was a man. Uh, He said, uh, I said, Adrian, when was the last time you invited someone over to your house? Uh, I said, you have the phone numbers of everybody in our church. No, I don't want to hear it. I, I was younger then and less compassionate. <laughs> but all he could focus on was friendship. We need friends. Well, that's true. We do need friends. But we need to begin with the fact that we're a friend of God. And God is our friend. And then and then it plays into. Anyway, that's the danger. Our fellowship must say must be born out of and rooted in our fellowship with the Godhead. Our fellowship with one another must start with our fellowship with God himself. Then and only then do we share this supernatural life that we talked about. John, the Apostle John writes in his first letter, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So we have fellowship based on common experience and common life. But that common experience and common life comes out of our relationship and our sharing with God himself. He, Paul, Paul writes in Second Corinthians, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So you have fellowship with God, you have fellowship with the Son, and you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and from out of that relationship and out of that sharing, you and I arrive at a place that we share that supernatural life with one another. It's much more than just being friends. It is that, but it's much more. We have fellowship with one another, and that, you know Acts 42, I mean verse 42 said that that we we, they dwelled or they, they listened to the apostles' doctrine and they, they enjoyed the fellowship with one another. And this is, this is in many ways the life of the church. Uh, the early church, as we understand it, was not an institution. Um, it was a community. It was not an organization, but rather an organism. Uh, there was not at that time a 501c3. Or a need for one. Um, there was just a group of people that God had sovereignly put together by the power of his Holy Spirit. And they enjoyed life together as a living organism, not as an organization. And this this passage teaches us that fellowship is one of the four important activities of the earliest Christian communities. It's what they were Devoted to they were devoted to the apostles doctrine. They were devoted to fellowship to breaking of bread and prayers Everybody say devoted See they weren't just taking it lightly They weren't just saying well if I got time for that Or if that happens in my life, they were devoted to these four components of church life We're obviously just dealing with one today because but we understand that they were devoted to fellowship. They were Dedicated to fellowship. They were zealous about fellowship, and they were committed to fellowship. They could not be devoted if they weren't all of the above. This was important to them. And so you and I, as members of the body of Christ, and by the way, I said it last week, this is not limited to the local church because I have fellowship with other brothers and sisters outside of this body, and you do too, and you should. Uh, This is obviously where we learn it the best. This is where we practice it, and this is where we, we work it out but we also have fellowship with other members of the body of Christ, uh, which is why Friday night as we fellowship with Priest Lake, and then on May the 1st as we gather at Charlie Daniels Park, we'll be shoulder to shoulder with other members of the body of Christ. But mostly in the local setting is where we we usually work this out in in learning to walk with one another. I have some observations concerning fellowship that I want to give us. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on most of them, um, and some of these are very clear. But first of all, is that fellowship produces transparency and it also produces cleansing. Uh, and, it, you know, First John, y'all are familiar with this verse, I think. But if, he, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship should produce a certain amount of transparency. Now, that doesn't mean you run up to anybody you don't know and start telling them all your stuff. That's not good. But it means that there is a relationship, there is a sharing of life that brings us to a place that we're willing to be vulnerable to someone, not to everyone. We're willing to be vulnerable and share our heart and be transparent. And in the midst of that, as we're sharing this supernatural life, this verse teaches us that there's cleansing that takes place through the blood of Jesus. The next observation I'm not going to spend any time on. Fellowship provides supply and growth which is from God. Colossians 2.19, the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If you want commentary on that, I refer to last Sunday's message. <laughs> uh, fellowship evokes the dynamic presence of Jesus. I believe this without any reservation. Jesus himself said, for where two or three, I can count, you can count, there's more than two or three today, okay? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I take Jesus at his word. He says, if there are two or three gather in my name, I'm going to be in their midst. And that's why we can gather together on a Sunday morning or any other time for that matter. And we can gather in his name and we can sense his presence in our midst because he's here. You gather for your small groups. It doesn't matter if there's two or three or 10 or 12. Get more than 10 or 12, we need to break you up and go go do another group. I make people mad when I say that, but that's okay. But presence of Jesus is there as well. Lord, help me. Um, Oh, we're going to love this one. Fellowship is the incubator for many of God's dealings with us. (laughs) This verse says, Iron sharpens iron. And one man or woman sharpens another. It's It's in the incubator of fellowship where God will work on us. And this is why sometimes we find people, and I don't know nobody in this room this way, thank God. We find people who church hop. Church to church. To, I'm not talking about people who are looking for a church. I'm talking about somebody go to a church, stay a minute, go to another church, stay a minute, and hop and hop and hop and hop. And they never stay anywhere ever. And that's because God wants to pin them down. Somewhere where he can knock off the rough edges. And I don't know about you, but that sandpaper doesn't feel good at all when God begins to work on you. But that's fellowship. You sure are quiet. In a similar vein, we need the incitement of our brother or sister to provoke us to love and good works. We need one another. Everybody say that. We need one another. Yeah, I heard somebody say, but not you. <laughs> Hebrews ten, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The word, the verse there, or the word there, stir up really means to incite. Verse twenty five says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now we preachers like to use that verse to beat you up to make you come to church on Sunday morning. I believe that the body of Christ should gather, whatever the free... I don't care if it's Friday night or Tuesday night or Saturday morning. I don't care. I mean, I don't think Sunday is anything special about Sunday, except it works out with our, our culture. Um, I see that verse as just telling us, let's don't neglect getting together. Let's don't neglect living life together. Now, part of that is to gather and worship, certainly, And you've heard me say this many times. If this is all you get, you're malnourished. This is all you get during the week. You're malnourished. You need more than what we we got here on Sunday morning. Everybody okay with that? And then we find strength to stand through fellowship. I'm not going to ask you to turn, but uh, Ecclesiastes nine. Listen to these words. Maybe new to you. if I ever, oh, okay, yeah, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Do you hear that? Two are better than one. For if they fall, I've heard people say, well, I can just go out in the woods and fellowship with the trees and make, You know, I'm commune with God, and there's a time and a place for that. But if that's all you've got, two are better than one. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. And has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There is a strength that we gain by fellowshipping with one another. There's a strength that we gain by sharing life, by allowing iron to sharpen iron, by allowing our brothers and sisters to incite us to good works. Have you ever had anybody get in your face? How long did they stay there? That was a joke. Paul got in Peter's face. He tells about it in Galatians, I think, about Peter hypocritically sitting down to the table with the Gentiles until his Jewish brothers showed up. And then he he excused himself and got away because he didn't want to be seen eating with the Gentiles. And Paul got in his face and incited him. And later on, we find Peter commending Paul. Not mad at him, not angry that he got in his face, but he commended him. True love, it will manifest. Which brings us to this question. We're talking about fellowship, we're talking about relationships, we're talking about people being transparent. What about disagreements? Well, everybody knows church people don't disagree. What about disagreements? What about those times when there are difficulties? You say, well, well that's just not God. Well, it may, you may be, it may be right, but listen to what the psalmist wrote. He said. To his friend, it is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not my foes who are so arrogantly insulting me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it's you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Now, too many of us in this room could have written that. Too many of us have had relationships like that, that we might say to our friend, why are you angry with me? I've never done anything for you. You know how that goes. Too many of us have experienced when we've had a close friend or a close brother or sister in Christ and something, something happened, a disagreement, something that's strained. But a strained relationship, saints, is a reality are a reality. Strained relationships are part of living. Our goal as believers and followers in Jesus Christ is to, is to limit those strained relationships. But when you have people dealing with people, I've had people over the years come in my office and say, well, so-and-so's you know, and so-and-so, and they're having this. I say, you know what that is? What people dealing with people, you know, and if it gets to a certain point that somebody needs to step in, we'll do that. But at this point, it's just people dealing with people. And we hope we deal with it righteously. Paul addressed this when he wrote his letter to the church at Philippi. There was two ladies in the church that evidently were having difficulties. We think they were deaconesses in, the, in that church, and we think that they might have been, uh, had a, an emphasis in the women's ministry. But anyway, it says, I implore Euodia and, and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Or to agree, indicating something was up. And then Paul writes on it, says, "I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also. I believe he was the governor of Tennessee one time, <laughs> and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Do you see? Do you see what I see?" First of all, I see these two ladies who are having some, we don't know what the disagreement was. We don't know what the angst was between these two. But we know that these are two ladies who have served side by side with Paul and they have served uh, with dignity and honor. It says they have labored with him in the gospel. And yet they had an issue. They had a problem. They had a disagreement. And he's, whoever is the recipient of this letter, we don't really know who that is. He's, Paul says to them, help them. Help them to agree. Uh, intercede. Be an intermediary. Grab them together and sit them down at the Waffle House. And make them go through and get them reconciled. So these are not bad people. That's my point. These are not fleshly, carnal people who hate God. These are not people who just care about themselves. These are people who are selflessly and sacrificially serving the gospel, and yet they had difficulties. I'm not inviting difficulties today. I'm just telling you that sometimes they happen, and we need to be ready to deal with them. In Acts 15, we're not going to turn, but uh, Barnabas and Paul are ready to go on their next missionary journey, and Barnabas said, okay, I'll go get Mark, and Paul said, don't bother. He's not going. Barman said, what do you mean? Now, I'm paraphrasing. You don't you understand. He said, he's not going. Why? He said, well, remember, he abandoned us. And he had the last missionary trip they took. Mark left them and went back home. Took off. Young whippersnapper. Anyway, and so they had a disagreement. And it, the Bible says that it was a sharp disagreement. Now, these are two apostles. These are not two apostles fleshly, carnal people. These are two apostles who helped establish the first church, but they had a sharp disagreement over Mark. So Paul took Silas and he went one direction and Barnabas took Mark and he went the other direction and they ceased ministering together. There's a lot there that I can't get into, but things like somehow... Paul and Barnabas found a place, you've heard the term, to agree to disagree. And sometimes you just have to do that. You just have to agree to disagree. Somehow they found a way to agree to disagree, and yet they still ministered on behalf of God with power going their separate ways. I mean, Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 16. I mean, my goodness, there's all kind of stories that go on here. But we also see that Later on, both Barnabas and Mark appear in the life of Paul in later years. There's references to Barnabas, and there's also there's a direct reference to Mark. So there's been reconciliation, or at least they've ad- agreed to disagree enough that they went ahead and served God. And sometimes you do. sometimes you need to get together. And sometimes you just say, okay, I'm going to go that direction, and you're going to go that direction, and we're going to be okay with it. So some suggestions when we're talking about fellowship. We need to offer honesty and truthfulness without being brutal. That's transparency. Sometimes we carry honesty and truthfulness. Well, bless God, I'm going to say what i got to say. Well, is, or is your intention to, to say what you got to say? Is your intention to... to uh, cause a relationship to work or is your intention to bludgeon someone with words honesty and truthfulness without being brutal if we're dealing with one another also communication is the key to harmonious relationships this is any relationships communication you know a uh, lot of marriages that have difficulties it, often that's the top of the list communication, lack of communication, or wrong communication. Let me just say, and you've heard me, I've got a little saying that I say, and that is, don't let the monster grow. Some little something enters into the relationship, some little thought enters into your mind, and if you don't watch it, you'll let that monster grow and grow and grow, and before you know it, it's huge. And then you find out that what you thought was not true. Or what you thought they said, they didn't say. Or what you thought they meant, they didn't mean. And yet you've allowed this monster. And what do you got? To, what are you gonna do now? You can't just tell the monster to go away. You have to do something about this monster because usually what's happened is that he's caused all kinds of problems in the relationship. So communicate and don't let the monster if you think. If you think someone has said something or done something to you or someone has wronged you or slighted you or whatever be the case, don't let the monster grow. Waffle House. So why doesn't Waffle House got to do with anything? Well, that's just my little terminology for sit down face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and look at one another and deal with it and don't get up. Don't get up from that old greasy food until you have reconciled or at least agreed to disagree. Don't let that monster grow. Be proactive. If you're going to fellowship with one another, you've got to be proactive. As I said earlier, there has to be intentionality. We can't just say, you know, I've said this, I've been guilty of this, you've been guilty of this. Well, we ought to get together. Yeah, let's do that sometime. And then five years later, we ought to get together. You know, I got somebody right now in my mind that we recently said to one another, we need to get together and have coffee. Yeah, let's do that. We haven't done it. But we will. Maybe in five years. I don't know. You have to be proactive. You have to schedule. You, have, you know, I've got to where somebody said, let's get together and have coffee. And I pull out my phone or my whatever I've got. Okay, here's my calendar. Let's, that looks open to me. If you don't do that, you'll never do it. And you have to fight through the obstacles. How many of you realize that the devil does not want you and me together fellowshipping with the supernatural life of God between us? doesn't want that to happen. There are going to be obstacles. We have to go through those. I I I referenced this earlier, but let your level of sharing correlate to the depth of your relationship. You don't just share with everybody. John 13, 13 Jesus refers to the disciples as his servants. John 15, 15, he refers to them as his friends. In John 20, same group of guys, he refers to them as his brothers. There's There's a growth in the relationship that takes place, and it can happen with you. And this is important, too. Don't discount, quote, unquote, secular times together. We we think well that's you know let's go to a ball game well that's not that's not Jesus they're not going to quote any Bible verses at the ball game no but we're going to share life right. life is life people and with, if we're sharing one with another that's life now there's some places you shouldn't go and I'm not going to name them but do things don't worry about doing things we, you know we had a pastors uh, everyone's Wilson pastors thing recently over at Green Hill Church and one of the br- brothers. One of the pastors said, hey, guys, why don't this time we just get together and have some fun? Of course, you know, I guess he was insinuating we hadn't been having fun. But anyway, (laughs) he said, let's set out some cornhole. So we did. We went over to Green Hill Church under their pavilion uh, and set up a cornhole thing, except the fact that it was so cold, all we could do was eat the food and run. But we just got together to have fun. We didn't, you know, quote, unquote, do anything spiritual. Let me tell you something, if two of God's people are together and fellowshipping, that's the most spiritual thing you can do, regardless of whether you're in church and quoting Bible verses. I didn't give me any amens, but hey. (laughs) Expect Jesus to show up in some measure and form when you assemble under the commonality of Jesus' name whatever it may be. If you're getting together uh, and you're getting together as brothers and sisters in Christ and you're sharing life, expect Jesus to show up. That don't mean you're necessarily going to have revival, and that doesn't mean necessarily people are going to prophesy. It could be. But it means that you enjoy life together and Jesus is going to be involved. Expect it. Expect it to happen. Let me just stick this in here. I don't have it in my notes. Too often when we hear a message like this about relationship and fellowship and these things, too often we, have, we get a, an idealistic view that we should be entering into fellowship and relationship with everybody. Now look around the room. There's people in here you don't want to fellowship with. Just be honest. <laughs> uh-huh, you, I caught you, didn't I? Uh, the idea that you would enter into a close relationship and fellowship with everybody in the, in the church is just unreal. It's impractical. Let me, let me tell you something. You might have heard this before. Uh, we know that at some point uh, there were at least fifteen to 20,000 people following Jesus and listening to what he said. I you know a bunch of them left when he said, oh, by the way, you're going to have to make a commitment. Oh, well, no, we just wanted something to eat. We don't have anything to do with that. And then at some point, we're going fast here, but at some point we know there were at least 500 people that saw him after his resurrection. And we know that 380 of them hit the head for the heels because there was 120 of them that wound up in the upper room. Is is that me? Anyway, I don't guess it was me. Uh, So there are 120 people in the upper room, and out of that 120 We know that somewhere in that mix, there were 70 people that Jesus sent out two by two. And of course, within that 70, we know there were 12 disciples. There were 11, and then there were 12, Matthias. And within that 12, those 12 disciples, there were three. Now, how many of us understand that the relationship that Jesus had with Peter, James, and John was different? than the one he had with the other nine. Different relationship. Now, was Jesus a respecter of persons? No, it just developed that way. And besides, if, even if Jesus chose them, that's his business. So we have the 12, who were different than the 500 and the 120, and we have the three that ha- that's more of an inner circle type relationship than the other nine. And within the three there was the disciple whom Jesus loved, John. What am I saying? I'm saying don't expect your relationship with the 500 to be the same as it is with the one or to be the same as it is with the three. Let me tell you something. If you got one or two good friends in Christ, thank God you're the richest person on earth. Don't look for 50 or 60 because you can't do it. Are you okay with that? That's good. Jesus said in John 10, I have come that they may have life and that they have, may have it more abundantly. And I submit to you today that one of the ways we, have, we enjoy more abundant life is in fellowship with one another because that's where life happens. I'm not going to turn, but Philippians 4, in the salutation, Paul writes, greet every saint. And sometimes we overlook salutations. he said, greet every saint, and that's a personal and intimate statement that he's making. He's recognizing the value and the importance of every one of them. By the way, when he said greet every saint, he was also talking about Euodia and Syntychei, And he was also talking about, you know good and well, if they were were at odds, one of them had their side and the other one had their side, you know that's how it happened. And he said, greet them all. And then he writes, the brothers greet you. The brothers that are here with me now, brothers and sisters, greet you, indicating that there's a family relationship that is a supportive one. We see a picture of the body of Christ in this salutation. In other words, what he's describing is real people living in a real world, sharing life with one another. Romans 8 describes us as joint participants with Christ. We're joint heirs with him. We have fellowship with him. And then finally... Well Ephesians 3 repeats that says we are fellow heirs members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel partakers of the promise we're fellow heirs we're members we're partakers of the of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul even writes in Philippians about our participation in the gospel. And the word for participation is koinonia, the sharing in the gospel. So life happens when we happen. Life happens when we fellowship. Life happens when God's people share life with one another. And, you know, you, I've said many times uh, there, are, there is no place for lone rangers in the kingdom of God. No place. Um, anyway, I, I know that there are times when people say, well, I'm, you know, I'd rather be off by myself. But let me tell you something. Naturally, I, I, mean, I don't get lonely. I, I mean, I don't, I don't need personally to be fulfilled, but I do need the life of God. And so people say, well, I get off by myself, and that's when I'm, I feel the most spiritual. Well, again, there are times that that's, you, you should do that. And there's times that I get off by myself. There's times that I send my wife, I'll give her a one-way ticket out of town. <laughs> I did, yeah, hey. <sighs> I told our home group a few weeks ago, I said, don't tell anybody, but I gave my wife a one-way ticket out of town. And, uh, well, of course, then I went and got her. <laughs> and, of course, tonight I'm flying down there to go get her again. Um... But the idea that we can perpetually do this on our own is not a biblical one. We need the fellowship of the brothers and sisters. We need the life that comes through the relationship. And that life is God's life. It's not ours. Stand with me. Lord Jesus, I pray that you've opened our eyes today. And maybe we saw something we didn't see before. Maybe we understand something that we did not understand before, but we, we do see that as we share life with one another, that the body grows and that our, our own lives grow where we are built up and lifted up in you and that we together can do the work of the kingdom. Help us to see the value of fellowship. Help us to see what fellowship really is. And help us to be intentional about joining together with brothers and sisters. Maybe not even, even in this body, but other bodies. But joining together nonetheless. Lord Jesus. And may we as a local body, as a local church, as a local church family, may we uh, exemplify what your intention is in having us enter into fellowship with one another. And let us, like the early church, enjoy the fellowship. May it grow us individually. May it grow us as a family. And may it grow your kingdom. May may we see souls added to your kingdom and to your church, Lord Jesus, by the power of your gospel. And help us as we go out of here to go uh, loaded with your word and with your life. I thank you for this time together and ministering to us today. And I pray in the name of Jesus today. And Everybody said Amen. 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 All right, now don't anybody get in an argument before you leave.